I am your host, Scotty Wrestling. I hope that everyone has had a good week. Um, We have a lot of wrestling news. We have a lot to, you know, follow up from last week. Because last week was the big rumors about CM Punk and Brian Danielson heading to AEW. And this was the first time we had a live AEW show to address such rumors so a lot of this show this week is going to be about that AEW fight for the fallen show a very notable show from top to bottom and what I thought was pretty good Um, I had a smile on my face the entire time so that's all I can really take Uh, we'll touch on Raw and Smackdown a little bit as we usually do Um, Smackdown was pretty decent this past week Raw was not, uh, just, it's what happens, but I'll touch on a few things there, and of course, we will discuss NXT, which, while taped, was very noteworthy as well. So let's jump in to Friday Night Smackdown. John Cena made his first appearance on the show following his return at Money in the Bank, and we knew from Monday Night Raw that he was going for Roman Reigns. And this all made sense to us. He was going for Roman Reigns because he thought Roman Reigns is an asshole. He thought that he needed to help change something. And when he got to SmackDown, he said, I'm going to do my best to get respect back for WWE while they still have just very little of it. Um, I said that completely different from how he said it, but you get the point. And... You know, Cena's going on and on. He's like, Roman Reigns, I'm putting down the challenge. And he expected Roman Reigns to come out time and time again, as did I. Because, you know, when you're getting verbally assaulted by John Cena, you usually want to step out of the uh, step out of the office and, you know, stand up for yourself. But that wasn't the case, rather than Paul Heyman walked out and said to Cena that Roman Reigns will give his decision, will give his answer when he feels like it. And then Paul Heyman started to sing the John Cena theme song, like, do-do-do-do. It was so funny. 
Uh, you know, you take the little things like that. Like he could have done that on off the cuff. He probably did do that off the cuff, but it was one of the best moments of the entire show. And I thought the Cena promo overall was pretty good uh, because he touched on a number of aspects that make this story work. Um, you know how Roman Reigns. Really, all through last week, Roman Reigns is a gimmick. Roman Reigns isn't as over as he thinks he is. Like, the beauty of this promo, or these promos, is that it's stating the obvious about himself and Reigns. And, you know, feelings that fans have had for years upon years upon years. And that's really the beauty of why this feud's going to work so well. So, later in the night, Roman Reigns comes out. He says that um, facing John Cena or John Cena as a whole is like being in the missionary position every single night. That popped the crowd. That popped the internet. That popped everybody. Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns has dramatically improved on the mic it's and i'm not saying because he said this but you think back to that initial feud in 2017 between these two and i think about it often uh when you know especially since this feud started to reheat up and i've you know covered it in depth uh on last word on sports if you want to check that out i went into in depth of how this promo where cena you know just berated and destroyed reigns who just wasn't cut out for it he was clearly reading from lines that is something i feel like you have to touch on in this feud to fully maximize the potential of it because reigns was nowhere close nowhere close to where he is now now he's on another level now he's on that Cena level in terms of in terms of performances in terms of promos he's on that level and that's why when these two finally go face to face and are hitting promos on each other it's going to be exciting that being said Roman Reigns declined he declined John Cena's request he declined John Cena's proposal to wrestle at SummerSlam, and when it all seemed to be over, Finn Balor, the recently returning Finn Balor, made his way down to the ring, got in the face of Reigns and said, if you're going to decline his challenge, how about you accept mine? So the original, the inaugural Universal Champion Finn Balor will face off with Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship somewhere down the line, probably on SmackDown. That is not happening at SummerSlam. And it's just another way to continue the feud with Cena. And now I wonder, do they fully see what they have in Balor? I don't I don't necessarily know if they do, but putting him right into a world title match in his return is never a bad thing. I just hope that you know he has a good fortune in a sense of he's not losing in seconds. Maybe it's not clean because I think this match is worthy of pay-per-view, not just TV. 
and it was also announced at Rolling Loud, which they had a couple matches there that were pretty um, uneventful, that for the first time ever, WWE will be running a show on New Year's Day, a pay-per-view on New Year's Day. I believe it's a Saturday this year um, in Atlanta. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, they did not announce the name of the show. I'm going to assume they're probably bringing back the New Year's Revolution resolution idea. But that remains to be seen. But it is pretty exciting because I feel, you know, people might get mad. Oh, they're, you know, making the wrestlers wrestle on New Year's Day. But I don't know. I barely see New Year's Day as a necessary holiday in a sense. Like, New Year's Eve is the big celebration and whatnot. And I think New Year's Day could be a cool show. I think that could be a really uh, fun idea for them. So, looking forward to that. Let's move on to Raw. Uh, we have uh, pretty much one, one and a half good things here. Uh, there was just a lot of bad. Uh, it was made official that at SummerSlam, Nikki Ash will be defending her... Raw Women's Championship against both Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. I feel like that has to change. I don't think you keep Becky Lynch out of this. And unless Sasha Banks isn't coming back for SmackDown, then maybe that's where Becky goes to face Bianca. But I feel like you want Sasha and Becky back, seeing they're your two biggest women's stars, um, especially with, you know, Bailey injured, uh, no offense to Charlotte. She's just not on the level of those two. Um, in the main event, Charlotte defeated Nikki, made her kind of look like a fool. It was a very, very confusing finish overall. I didn't get it. Um, but you know, this company never fails to let Charlotte look strong, because for some reason, letting anyone else look strong is a bad thing. Uh, let's see what else was bad. Um, they, di they did Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross. They did Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross. We are one week, one week removed from both Karrion Cross and Keith Lee re returning, debuting on Monday Night Raw, and both losing in terrible fashion. Keith Lee got decimated by Bobby Lashley. Karrion Cross lost in like a minute and 40 seconds to Jeff Hardy. So their answer to this, their response to this, was let's do... Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee on Raw in a lose-lose situation. And I thought Lee looked better. I thought he got some more offense. Cross definitely looked better. He looked more like a monster. And Cross ultimately won. But I, I don't know what's going through these people's minds. I, I hope I really do that Keith Lee can somehow get out of this because there is so much talent clearly clearly being wasted right now and 
I'm not sure if people recognize that this is some sort of weird decision making that just isn't acceptable. Keith Lee, yes, he's a former NXT champion. We've seen former NXT champions not be treated well. But the size and what Keith Lee can do at that size should make him an instant, instant main event star. And the fact, the fact that he isn't a main event star is troubling. I continue to ask myself, what, why, how does Keith Lee bounce back from these two weeks? And I, I can't find myself an answer. I cannot do it. Uh, Cross seems to be set. You know, he decimated Lee here, and I feel like he's just going to start ascending to the top now. It just makes all the sense in the world. But we'll see. Um. Jeff Hardy supposedly, reportedly, has COVID, so that's why he was not on the show this week. That must have changed their plans because I think that's where they're going. Um, so it'll be a matter of time before we see what they really do with Karrion Cross. But I think we're at a point where we can just accept that I don't, I don't see Keith Lee getting the respect, the praise, the the spot that he deserves on this main roster. And I think he needs to get as far away from Vince as possible because Vince somehow is so blinded that he doesn't see the incredible talent that is Keith Lee. That being said about Keith Lee, Damian Priest looks to be getting the SummerSlam United States Championship match as he defeated Sheamus on the show in a champion's contenders match um that's interesting to me because i think damian priest is a talented guy he has good look um good theme everything and i don't have anything against damian priest i'm happy he's having success but let me let me ask you again how do you how do you look at someone like damian priest and you push him pretty solid so far you team him with bad bunny you do this you do that you clearly have big thoughts for him and then you look at a guy like keith lee and you don't think the same to me, Lee, Priest, and Cross, and I'm not even a big fan of Cross, and I'm like here, there for Priest. They should all be main eventers. And the fact that Keith Lee probably is going to be the odd man out of that is absolutely sickening, as I think he is the best out of the three in an all-around way. That being said, pretty cool for Priest. Um, the gra The natural rise for him has been entertaining on many levels and I'm just you know hoping that and assuming that he wins the title at SummerSlam which would be another huge moment at the second biggest show he teamed with Bad Bunny in Wrestlemania and he could win the United States title at SummerSlam that is big that's big for Priest and the last thing I wanted to touch on from Monday Night Raw was that AJ Styles and Omos attacked Riddle, setting up what seems to be a potential Randy Orton return, setting up a tag team match between Styles, Omos, Randy Orton, and Riddle, which is exactly the direction they should be going. So I just wanted to toss that in there. 
So now we're on to NXT. And I will start off by saying I have yet to watch the main event of the evening. I'm guessing it was pretty good. Um, And I know Kyle O'Reilly attacked Adam Cole, making it clear that these two are going at it one more time, likely at TakeOver. And this was expected because, you know, they split the first two series. O'Reilly won the fight. Cole won the wrestling match. It's only a matter of time before you, you know, complete the series. This is what NXT does all the time. And the only thing I wish with NXT when doing this is that they didn't rush it so much this time around. I feel like they could have spread it out for Cole and O'Reilly because I don't think there's any soon-to-be call-up for either one of them. That's why I feel like spreading that out spreading the story would have been ideal. You know, that being said, I enjoyed this episode of NXT for what it was. You know, seeing it was taped, I still feel like, you know, it was better than you would expect because we know NXT used to be taped and that used to be like, Hey, whatever, it's cool. And someone made a great point on Twitter this week. I'm sorry I'm not giving them the credit they deserve. That when NXT was the brand, it was because of their takeovers. It was never really because of TV. And and I think that's a good point to look at. So when people say, oh, NXT's not the same. The takeovers still deliver nine times out of ten. And this takeover that's coming up looks to be perhaps the best all year from top to bottom because it was announced that Walter and Ilya Dragunov will be fighting over the NXT United Kingdom Championship in a rematch from their hard-hitting battle from late last year. That's huge. Um, We have the NXT title match that I'm about to get to. The women's title match looks great. Uh, And then we're going to have Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole once again. So those four matches alone, once I get to both of them, make a fantastic top of the card. And I only wonder, you know, you're going to probably do Swerve and Santos Escobar, another great match, and maybe Kushida versus Roddy Strong, which could be the match of the night. And that's, that's a card. That's a card, ladies and gentlemen. So let's get to the rest of NXT. The night kicked off with Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Uh, going head-to-head with Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan. I thought this was a great physical match. And, you know, I have seen people really be fans of the Champa-Thatcher combination. Recently, they've really begun to make a fan out of me the way they work. And this was a really good fight they had with Dunne and Oni. Because... All four of these guys just hit hard. They hit hard. They don't care. And that makes for, you know, a great match here and there. Ultimately, in the end, it was Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan that won, which is the big shock. But the even bigger shock is that it was due to Ridge Holland. Yes, the man that essentially split his leg in half uh, at the end of last year is back. And my God, this guy looks like an absolute beast. He's going to be a star for this division, this division promotion this brand whatever you want to call it and 
I like the pairing with Dunn and Lorcan. It gives them this kind of monster who I feel will probably only get better and better working with someone like a Dunn and an Oni Lorcan. And I assume Danny Birch is hopefully going to come back within the next month or two. So they'll have a full uh, full group there, which should be pretty good. Samojo makes his way out to the ring with a contract in hand. He throws a table and a steel chair into the ring, essentially setting up a sit-down. Uh, we weren't sure of who. He calls out William Regal. He says, William Regal, please come out here. I have some business to attend to, and it needs to happen now. Regal, who was attacked last week by Karrion Cross, didn't make it out there. And Joe's like, you know, I know you're going to fire Karrion Cross, But instead of doing that, let me give you this proposition. It comes in three easy steps. One, I am stepping down from my NXT management position as the enforcer. Two, officially sign this contract to make me a part of the NXT roster once again. And three, which, of course, was the perfect way to fall. You give me the NXT Championship match at NXT TakeOver 36 against Karrion Cross. Regal signed all three times, and boy, oh boy, what a big fight feel. The crowd was feeling this. I was feeling this. I don't think we appreciate enough of like how great Samoa Joe is. Samoa Joe is an all-time great. And people might say, no, well, he well, he didn't he didn't get it done in WWE, but he got it done everywhere. He's gotten it done in Ring of Honor. He might be the greatest Ring of Honor wrestler of all time. He got it done in TNA Impact. He's maybe two to the one of AJ in TNA. And then he got it done in NXT. He's the, he was the first ever two-time NXT champion. Now he's back there probably to become the only ever three-time NXT champion. And on the main roster, he made you believe that he was going to beat Brock Lesnar. Not many people can make you believe that. He did that. He won the United States title. He was part of some of the better feuds over the past couple of years. He was the best promo on there. I think Samoa Joe should have been a world champion in WWE. I think a lot of people agree to that. But the fact of the matter here is this. We have him now in an outlet that he can be himself and deliver at his finest. Listen, it's not the main roster. It's not AEW like people want it. It's not New Japan, but it's NXT, and NXT still gives you a good show and gives you good matches. And what Samojo is doing is re rebuilding that heartbeat, rebuilding what NXT once was. Because every time Samojo walks down to that ring, it's important. And this match on NXT TakeOver, in my opinion, is going to be fantastic because Samojo is making Karrion Cross go to sleep. Karrion Cross will move up to the main roster, and Samoa Joe will be the the first ever three-time NXT champion. Book it. Has to happen. Has to happen. Um, we had Carmelo Hayes versus Josh Briggs in the 
Uh, I think it's still the first round of the NXT Breakout Tournament. And my goodness, is Carmelo Hayes great or what, people? He is so good. He is so good. Like, he is a star. Like, you know, you do these breakout tournaments to introduce people in the best form. But this man is a star. He's going to be NXT champion. Guaranteed. And the fact that they seem to see what he brings to the table is even better. I mean, his debut was against Kushida. His second match was against Adam Cole. They know. You know, Triple H, everyone down there, they know. And I can't wait to see what this guy keeps doing. He's going to face off with uh, Duke Hudson in the semifinals. Next up was Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. And really, this is where we're going to end our NXT talk for the week. Um, Raquel was addressing the women's division. And she she didn't have much to say. It was It was very little. But notably, it was Dakota Kai who took the microphone and went on this tangent of no one could beat you. You've beaten all these people. You've beaten Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai. You're more dominant than Asuka when I'm by your side. And the trick of this entire promo by Kai was the when I'm by your side. And that's when it happened. Raquel Gonzalez started celebrating, you know, saying, I'm dominant, no one can touch me. She gets down from the top rope. Bam! A kick to the face by the captain of Team Kick. Kai laid out Raquel in the middle of the ring, picked up the NXT Women's Championship, and made it very clear that her sights are set on that title once and for all. And I loved it. But let me say this. You cannot get me to cheer against Dakota Kai. To me she is not the heel in this. She is the perfect baby's face. And I think Raquel is the better heel. Not only should Dakota Kai win the title. But it's about time she wins that title. She's had an interesting run in NXT, and I think the moment she finally, finally breaks through, it'll be a special NXT moment remembered forever. But that was all my thoughts on NXT. Otherwise, there wasn't too, too much that I need to touch on. So let's get to AEW's Fight for the Fallen. This was a show to say the least. Lots of newsworthy stuff. Lots of exciting topics to uncover. So, why don't we talk about it? To kick off the show was Hangman Page in the Dark Order versus the Elite. If, if Hangman and the Dark Order win the match, then there will be a tag team title shot for the Dark Order. And Hangman Page will get his AEW World Championship match against Kenny Omega. But if they lose, no one gets a shot. This was a big stakes match. 
the presentation from the beginning was phenomenal. And the match was phenomenal. What they were able to do here was great. So first, Alex Reynolds was eliminated via roll-up. Carl Anderson was eliminated via the fatality by Grayson and Evil Uno. Uh, Grayson Gallows got eliminated via double countout, making it 3-3. Three to three. Evil Uno was eliminated via one-winged angel. And John Silver and Hangman were fighting and fighting. They were taking on the Young Bucks and Kenny. But in the end, Silver did not have what it takes. BET tri- trigger to the head of Silver to eliminate him. And it was down to one. Hangman Page versus the Elite. All by himself. He used to be part of the Elite. This story was here. Every aspiration he's ever had. Every aspiration that they believed he had. That's the part of the story I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about. Because yes, there's the natural, they were a tag team, yada yada yada. But the reason Hangman Page was part of the Elite is because the Elite, the Elite believed that he could be a world champion. And now they stood in his way of getting that first shot since the inaugural All Out. He was able to eliminate one of the Jacksons with a buckshot lariat, and he looked like he was going to do it again. He looked like he was going to eliminate Kenny Omega, but Nick Jackson stopped him, grabbed his foot, and it ultimately led to the demise of him. Of Hangman. Hangman was able to kick out of this and that. V-Trigger. He kicked out of that. He kicked out of everything he could. But once Kenny Omega hit that one-winged angel, it was one, two, three. Hangman was gone. The title shot is gone. Kenny Omega no longer has a clear opponent for All Out, and I think this was the wrong way to go. I think if you wait to give Hangman that title match past All Out, you are risking him cooling off. This is what the fans want to see. They are bought in for this. And the fact that it seems that it's not going to be the case, it sucks. So what's necessary to say is later in the night, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express faced up against the Hardy family office. And Christian Cage got the final pin, and they really harped on how he's undefeated. He got another pinfall here. Maybe he will face Kenny Omega. And I think that's the direction they're going. I think at All Out, it's going to be Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for AEW World Championship. And while I think that's a huge match and a match that's smart to do, it is not the smart option here. It should be Hangman Page. It's And they're running out of time. There's only four Dynamites left. But there'll be three Rampages? I'm not sure how that'll go. Um, but uh, just I don't get it. I don't get it. Because Hangman Page should be walking out of All Out in the main event as the AEW World Champion. And then, with all these rumors and stuff, you are risking the fact that Hangman Page, when he does win that title, may not have the same reaction as if he did at All Out. And I understand you don't want to be predictable. But sometimes the predictable option is the best option. 
Uh, Ricky Starks had a celebration that was ruined by Brian Cage. Just didn't have much for me. But what did have all the attention from me was that they go, they're going to this video, and I believe it was Excalibur that said, Tony Khan has opened the Forbidden Door once again. And as you all know, the Forbidden Door is the relationship between New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW. That is what um, one Hiroshi Tanahashi called it back in the day. And here we were. So that's who it was. Hiroshi Tanahashi is on AEW television. He makes the point that, you know, I've never had the IWGP United States Championship. I've done everything else in New Japan, but I've never held that title. And he laid down the gauntlet. Whoever wins the IWGP United States Championship match tonight, I will be facing next. Hiroshi Tanahashi 1 is coming to the States. Oh, but it gets better. It gets better. And I am so excited. If you if you've you know follow me on Twitter, Hiroshi Tanahashi is my favorite New Japan wrestler of all time. Uh, he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. The man is just world class, and the fact that he is coming to the states to fight one of the AEW talents or Hikaleo. Guess what? It wasn't Hikaleo. Is so exciting. LAX versus FTR, the big tag team match, was a total letdown. Uh, it was fine. Uh, some parts were good, but it never got to that point of great, which I think a lot of people know these four can make it. Instead, someone out of nowhere, they just kind of beat him, and there was a thing where Dash Wilder got hurt that forced... Is it his name Dash Wilder? Oh, no. What's his name? Cash Wheeler. Sorry, Dash Wilder, I believe, is from WWE. Um, his arm was bleeding crazy, so the match pretty much ended when Dax Harwood just hit a brain buster on Ortiz and pinned him in the middle of the ring. Very anticlimactic. And it was just a shame. It was just a shame. All right. Let's get to the part where my heart started to just, uh, just, uh, it wanted to explode. Let's let's do that. So Tony Khan had this major live event announcement. And I was like, hmm, okay. Maybe, you know, maybe this has to do with them heading to the UK. Wasn't that. It was a Rampage announcement. On August 20th. The second ever episode of AEW Rampage on Friday night will be inside the United Center in Chicago, Illinois, live. The United Center is the building that WWE runs, for example, for Chicago. Chicago is also getting the entire weekend of All Out in the Sears Center, whatever the now arena maybe it's called. But the United Center is huge. The show will be called Rampage, The First Dance. And that's when I started to realize my long forever dream could finally become a reality. And after this, 
They asked Darby Allen, how do you feel about heading to Chicago and Rampage? And Darby said, you know, I don't care who shows up. I don't care who I take on. No matter what, I have no problem taking on anybody, especially if they think they are the best in the world. Yep. Yep, they got me. They got me. I am fully in. If CM Punk shows up that night, the night before SummerSlam, brilliant, by the way, that they were so smart to do this, I am going to lose it. I am going to be as much of a wrestling fan as I've been in so long in terms of just reaction, not thinking. I said that I tweeted this out. This is the first night that I've just had all thoughts about now wrestling content Nothing. It's simply been about me as a fan. And I can't wait. I can't wait. If CM Punk shows up at this show, I am going to lose. But if he doesn't, I will no longer watch AEW because this is getting to a cruel level to get my hopes up this much. Way too cruel. It, he needs to show up. It's in Chicago, in the United Center. This has to happen. Uh, Lance Archer versus Hikaleo for the IWGP US Championship. Uh, pretty fine match. Two big guys in the end. Lance Archer, of course, won. And it would be announced that at New Japan's Resurgence Show in Los Angeles, California, it will be. Lance Archer defending the IWGP United States Championship against the one, the only, the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. I believe that is also in August. Cody Rhodes was in an interview before Malachi Black attacked him because they have their big match next week at AEW Homecoming. He laid out Black uh, Black laid out Cody he hit Fuego Del Sol with this picture perfect Black Mass kick and he said welcome to the House of Black so it sounds like this could be a potential faction if they want to create one for Malachi Black uh, let's get to the John Moxley segment. So John Moxley's in the back and he says, You know, Tanahashi, you've been dodging me. You've been dodging me for a long time. I don't think you I think you're afraid of me. And you know, the moment that I lose the IWGP United States champion is when you get to face the best in New Japan. I don't I don't see how that's fair. You listen to your friend. Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata. You listened to them and you knew you couldn't mess with me. So I'm sending a stack of contracts to New Japan Pro Wrestling and they, they can pick one. Whoever picks one, whoever picks the fight with me, that, that will be it. And... This is clearly leading to Hiroshi Tanahashi beating Lance Archer 
for the IWGP United States Championship, which will give us Hiroshi Tanahashi versus John Moxley at All Out. And if that happens, oh my God. Oh my God. It's just absolutely brilliant work, in my opinion. I think doing this is just... I I can't wait. Like, the excitement I have for AEW right now is at an all-time high, and this might be the most excited I've ever been in consistently in a product. You know, every show is not the best, but what they're doing and what they're building to is. And the fact that we might get Tanahashi versus Moxley, and we might get CM freaking Punk has me on the edge of my seat. Um, let's get to the main event, Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage in a no-rules match, a.k.a. pretty much a death match. Um, there was a pizza cutter, there were light tubes, there was glass, there was blood, there was more blood, there was even more blood. Nick Gage did the saw thing on the head of Jericho. Uh, Gage went through the pane of glass. In the end, Jericho was able to smash Gage on the head with light tubes and hit the juice effect for the one, two, three. Absolutely chaotic match. Took a little to get going, but once it did, you couldn't help but watch. It was an absolute spectacle of a match. MJF started his promo after when he was angry and said, Jericho, while you lie there, hopefully as comfortable as you possibly can be, you know, around those lines, it was identical to when CM Punk cut the pipe bomb. And I don't know if that many people caught it in the building that night. I instantly caught it, and I was like, oh, oh, my God. Oh my, is he going to be part of the labors? And I was like, no, he won't. He won't. They announced that Chicago show, so I lost hope there. But it was announced that next week Jericho will have to hit a top rope maneuver on Juventud Guerrero. So that is what to look forward to next week. I don't mean to cut this off, but there's so much excitement I have for wrestling in the next two to three months. Maybe more excitement than I've ever had. So... Let's get excited. Let's enjoy. Let's enjoy professional wrestling because it's in a good place right now. And I just absolutely love it, and I hope you do too. You can check uh, all my content out on Fight Game Media, Last Word on Sports, Pro Wrestling, um, Inside the Ropes, Daily DDT, and voices of wrestling as well. Definitely check out the Joshi Pod as we will be previewing this weekend's Stardom Five Star Day One and Day Two matches, which are set to be an incredible, incredible today. So until next time, everybody. Have a good-
また美学でしょう」